Welcome to Leeds University Business School's Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Chris Ford, I'm Professor of Employment Studies in the Centre for Employment Relations, Innovation and Change. Uh, hi, I'm Professor Mark Stewart, also from the Centre for Employment Relations, Innovation and Change, and also co-director of a new ESRC research centre, Digital Futures at Work. Today in this podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, technologies and technologies in the workplace in particular. So to begin with, uh, what do we actually mean by when we talk about technologies and the use of technologies at work? What, what sort of things are we, are we talking about, Mark? Well, it, it could mean a whole range of things. Uh, there's a lot of contemporary interest in new technologies at work. Uh, but of course, we've been familiar with uh, technological change for some considerable time. But in the current period, most interest has been around things like robots, uh, general automation of workplaces, um, digitalization at work in terms of the software that we use on computers, the increasing use of platforms. And we see it in many sectors. So if we go into retail, we're thinking about self-check-in scanners. Uh, Obviously, in factories, we're thinking about automation and robots uh, on assembly lines, this type of stuff. But I think that the big issue for for today is the extent to which technologies, and particularly digital technologies, are permeating more widely everything we do in terms of the way in which we work and also the way in which we live. And you, you do see this uh, the, the, these ideas used a lot um, in, in terms of when people talk about profound change. You hear a lot of speculation about the robots are, are, are taking over our jobs. Uh, we're going to be displaced uh, from our jobs in the workplace, according to some. And then you've got others uh, who are saying, well, actually, these trends, these developments that you're talking about um, could have some very positive effects. The, the sort of changes that you, uh, you've you referred to already might uh, give people more autonomy, more discretion over, over how they do their work. Trying to cut through some of this, the, the speculation that's been in the media and the popular press around this. What do we, uh, what do we actually know about the the likely impact of some of these technologies at work? Is it going to be the, the fact that people are going to have their jobs replaced? Um, are, are there positive opportunities? What's what's your view on this? Um, I think that's I think that's the profound question of the day, and there's been a lot of research on this. Um, I don't think it's conclusive. Uh, Some academics like to differentiate between what they see as replacing technologies, so technologies that fundamentally take jobs away, um, and enabling technologies, technologies that may create new opportunities. And sometimes we might see a sort of historical period in terms of which technologies may move from one to the other. So you might initially see technologies in a sector taking a sort of replacing uh, approach and then over time it might actually become enabling so there is a sort of a bit of a, a time frame and an unknown aspect to this but I think more generally it's quite useful to differentiate between three potential scenarios the first is the extent to which technology will replace jobs um, so within a particular sector you might see the automation of processes that actually make many people redundant or actually could even completely transform a sector and make it almost moribund as something else replaces it. Um, the other alternative could be the creation of new types of jobs, but also new types of industries and sectors. And I think one area of particular interest amongst researchers, and maybe I'll ask you to talk a little bit about this in a minute, Chris, could be platforms. 
Um, and I, then I think the third and the most interesting area, and actually the area that we probably know the least about, is general change in the way in which we work, so the actual nature of work. So it's not just about technology taking jobs away or creating new jobs. It's about, well, actually, there will still be work in the future because some of these scenarios predict essentially the end of work. Mm. But if we accept that work will continue, and I think all the evidence suggests that it does, how will that work actually change? And what does that actually mean? And I think that's such a big question, and that's what we're really grappling with. But... Um, Chris, I know that you've been doing some work on platforms and the sort of platform economy, however that's defined. Um, could you explain a little bit about that, what we mean by the platform economy and maybe what sort of things you were looking at? I think that's a really interesting example. It does fit, I think, with um, the, the, the second category that you're you're talking about there. Um, some platforms have been around for quite some time. Um, in, in other words, we're talking here about the use of technologies to mediate um, the relationship between workers uh, on the one hand and, and employers. So you have uh, platforms, sometimes apps uh, or, or, or technologies which um, allow workers to, um, to, to, to find work um, or to actually do work. Uh, there's a whole variety of these. We can think about things like um, uh, taxi uh, uh, ride sharing, for example, and taxi driving. Um, where uh, organisations like Uber uh, are using technologies to uh, basically organise their their whole work. Uh, now, taxi driving has been an occupation that's that's been around for um, for many decades, but many would argue that it's been transformed by the um, the development of these sort of apps. Now, the effects of this for for workers and the implications for workers, uh, there's a lot of debate about this. Um, some say it's, uh, it can have a positive impact, give more people people more choice over how and when they work. Others say, well, actually, um, these technologies uh, can have quite negative effects. Um, if you think about the very nature of the uh, relationship between the employer and the worker uh, with the use of some of these apps, there's, there's no longer an employment relationship there. That's really fascinating. I think this is a, a really, it's certainly captured the imagination of many researchers, although from what I understand, it may not constitute that much in employment terms, in terms of total employment uh, within economies. But is it also the case that there are different types of platforms? So people would do different types of work? Um, or is it a sort of general purpose technology as you understand it no you're right there's very different kinds of uh, platforms um and there's there's some which i think um a categorization we used in the report is some which um uh, operate very much on a, a local basis so the platform mediates uh, work but the the work is essentially undertaken in a particular locality so you can think about uh, ride sharing taxi services for example you have a platform there but someone's still got to pick up a um, a, a customer and drive them to a certain place within a particular location. Then you've got those sort of platforms where um, you're really operating in a global uh, market and you're you're, you're competing uh, for work and um, and 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 finding work with uh, with workers from around the world. So you can think about platforms like Amazon Mechanical Turk, for example, um, where. Um, Clients can put uh, jobs, tasks uh, on that platform and um, people can bid to, to undertake that piece of work uh, from around the world. Now, there's, 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 there's some quite big effects uh, if, you, if you look at those platforms on a global basis. What we've seen is that uh, wages are often very 
uh, low on those platforms for particular jobs because you're working in a global uh, marketplace. Um, often you find that wages are compressed and and, and pushed down to um, uh, to lower levels than you might see in say um, the UK as a, an average wage. Um, so you've got local versus uh, global uh, type of platforms. You've also got platforms which operate very much on a, a, a sectoral or, 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 or a trade basis. Um, so you have uh, uh, platforms which are helping people source work for particular crafts and trades, for example. So it is a very uh, varied uh, sector with um, a lot of different activities. The other thing I should say is as well is you've got quite uh, traditional intermediaries like employment agencies who are moving into this um, this area as well and providing uh, platforms uh, alongside their traditional sort of intermediary work as a, as a way of uh, bringing employers and, and, and workers together. So there's a lot of uh, change and, um, uh, and, and flux in, in this sector. Does this, I think one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit is what this means from maybe a policy perspective, because um, if we're talking about platforms or technologies disrupting work, and you've just mentioned, particularly in the case of, of platforms, these types of workers may have less protections than others. In some cases, it might be um, colleagues losing their jobs. What are the implications um, of technology from a sort of policy perspective? What do what are governments looking at in terms of trying to address these these challenges for the future? Because my reading of the situation, Chris, and, and I was involved with that platform work with you, which we did for the European Parliament, and we're doing another project for the European Parliament at the moment, looking at the future of work, is what what are policymakers and governments looking at um, in terms of what they think will make a difference going forward? I mean, one area is skills, but but there may be others, I guess. I mean, what's your sort of thinking in this area? That's a really good question. There's no doubt that um, this is causing um, headaches and concerns for, for policymakers, and there's no there's no easy answers here, I think. Um, there are, it's, it's made policymakers think, I think, about the the nature of employment and the, the type of work that people are doing in the 21st century. I think your point that you made earlier, is, Mark, is really important, that um, it's, it's important not to overstate the number of people who are working um, in, uh, through, through platforms. Um, estimates vary from about 1% to 5% of the workforce, although quite a lot of uh, quite a, uh, quite a lot more uh, workers have engaged with these platforms at one time or another, um, but certainly it's a relatively small percentage of the workforce at the moment. Um, but having said that, um, the 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 concerns of policymakers are that these workers are simply not getting the protections um, that other workers have. Um, but there's there's been challenges of, uh, of of trying to come up with appropriate regulation um, and 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 to protect them uh, more effectively. I think one of the key concerns and issues is that it's simply not straightforward who the um, who the employer is in these kind of uh, relationships. Um, in some countries, um, policymakers have, have, have agreed and attempt to legislate uh, on the basis that uh, people working through platforms are employed by the platforms that they're engaged with. Others say that it's the um, the client firm that these uh, workers are working for who is the the employer, and in other countries, the UK, um, there's been uh, different judgments made at different uh, points in time. Um, so I think there's 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 got to be uh, there's got to be recognition that uh, the, the 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 these forms of work are, are somehow different. Um, but at the same time, if you look at 
the types of activity that people are doing. Um, you compare them to uh, directly employed workers. Often the, these 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 people are undertaking very similar tasks and performing their work in in quite a similar way. They're using uh, similar technologies in the workplace to um, to to other workers. So um, I think policymakers have got to try and recognise that uh, there is. Uh, a lot of similarity, um, as much as difference, between uh, these workers and, uh, and and people who are employed in more traditional um, uh, employment uh, relations. I think one of the questions is that uh, policymakers are struggling with the likely impact of this. Um, so, with platforms, it's perhaps quite clear in some scenarios because there's all these debates around the employment contract and the breach of the standard employment contract and whether workers are self-employed or bogus self-employed and things like that. But if you think more broadly around the potential implications of the way in which people work um, and whether people are losing their jobs or not, then it raises much more profound questions. And I think it also raises issues around the anticipation of change. And this is one of the difficult things for policymakers. It's much easier to look at something that's happened and then address it. But when you look into the future and trying to anticipate mm. what may happen, it's it's much more difficult. And we've done research on this previously, Chris, in terms of restructuring. We, we looked at anticipating and managing change. Um, and ultimately, we are talking about restructuring here. Um, but the... The debates on this from a policy perspective cover so many different issues. Uh, there's debates around skills and, you know, once again, life, the idea of lifelong learning is back on the table. The way in which we teach kids at school through digital technologies and yeah, developing indeed. digital sort of understanding is really important. There's issue, There's debates around um, universal basic income so that people have a, a basic platform of income in case they lose their jobs in the future. There's all debates around flex security, employability. There's even debates around the sort of the infrastructure within economies as well in terms of digital access and, and also issues around housing if people can't get access to digital technologies in rural areas and stuff like this. So it's very interesting. If you read academic texts, then you find all these profound, profound options for policymakers. Yeah. Policymakers often tend to go down to what they can and can't do. And a lot of this, perhaps, is why this debate's around skills and equipping people with skills. But I think one of the big issues, and maybe we should start to finish here, um, would be about who makes these decisions. Uh, because when we talk about technology... Um, sometimes the debate becomes a little bit deterministic. So technology causes certain outcomes when actually it's not so much about the technology. It's about how the technology is used, how it's implemented, who makes decisions around this. And I think that's why some of the best policy discussions talk about the need for a new social contract in economies, that it shouldn't just be perhaps employers are making these decisions. And actually, sometimes employers struggle with these technologies and how to use them. Um, but what about the perspectives of workers and what are the roles for the state? So I think moving forward uh, and understanding that these challenges are profound and they need to be addressed through bringing together all the relevant stakeholders, the state, employers and workers, to help deliver, uh, I guess, a better future in terms of technology is what we should be really interested in. But fundamentally profound questions uh, for us as researchers. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mark, um, for your time today. Uh, and we hope that you've uh, enjoyed this, uh, this podcast. <laughs>